0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Raj Menon. In this podcast, you will meet some interesting people and hear some stories and anecdotes from their lives. You might gain some insights, get some inspiration as you hear about plans, dreams, transformation, and even some serendipity. But above all, you'll always hear some good old fashioned conversation. Our guest today is Amit Gupta, a friend and fellow alumnus of IIT Bombay who has had a very successful career in banking. He retired in 2014 as the CEO of HSBC's private bank in Asia, a Singapore citizen of Indian origin. Amit is currently in California as a fellow at the Distinguished Careers Institute at Stanford University. We talked about many things including his family, his health, the secret of his success, and about how his views about success and life have evolved over time let's take a listen hi amit welcome to the podcast
1: hi raj uh, wonderful to be with you it's an honor to be uh, at your podcast
0: so uh, why don't we
1: start uh, with uh, with a quick with a brief introduction 30 second uh, highlight of your of your career and where you are right now sure uh, so, I'm a product of uh, an 830 batch of IIT Bombay, which means I got in 83 and thankfully got out in 87. I did mechanical engineering. I have a degree in that, but I don't remember anything about mechanical engineering. I went on to do an MBA at IIM, Amdeburg, a year after that, and uh, then spent 25 years in banking, most of it, which was at, with HSBC. Uh, and uh, uh, I gave up corporate life six years ago, and, and currently I'm doing a fellowship at Stanford uh, University, which I call uh, my second chance in life. So it's, it's free learning and it's, it's beautiful. So I'm at Stanford Menlo Park at the moment.
0: During one of his previous visits, Amit decided to take a coast to coast trip with his wife and older daughter, to see and learn about America, making several stops along the way.
1: I had strong views about the US with very little factual knowledge and information. So I wanted to find out more about the place where I was losing my three darling daughters. And therefore in 2014, as the eldest graduated, she and I did a road trip. So she said to me, Papa, I want to live in New York for a year. How do I transport my, you know, luggage and so on? So I said, don't worry, I'll drive you there. So that's how it started. And then uh, we had a road trip. She and I did a road trip for eight weeks, 3,500 miles. Uh, we never drove more than four hours a day. And my objective was to understand and appreciate and start liking the U.S. because of, it, it was going to take away my family. And we... Uh, First went to the Grand Canyon for four days, and then uh, we kind of took a loop along. And we, I think, I did 16 states uh, with uh, uh, with uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, Alabama. So I I now know a lot of uh, U.S. because of the 15 states that I drove through. And most places, I ended up having a reunion with either my uh, school uh, batchmates, or a lot of IT guys, and a bunch of IAM guys, uh, and a few scattered relatives on my side or or my wife's side, uh, who you know who had left for the US, and they were all these were all Americans who had mm-hmm. been here for 30 years, and therefore spending a night or two with with them uh, gave me a, the whole thing about you know what it is like to be an Indian in America and 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 so on. So. Of course, they were not very specific, I and mean, it was catching up with it. It was a reunion trip as well. Sure, but uh, so you, you, don't, you didn't really spend, you didn't spend time, time in hotel rooms and so forth. Uh, we you, did, you spent uh, most uh, relatively, relatively few. Yeah, so, relatively so you really people, got a flavor. Right. You really yeah. got a flavor for uh, exactly you know, life exactly, in yes. in these different places. Indeed, indeed. I think mm. I did because the local. Uh, so if you did some places, we did two mm-hmm. nights, and therefore you know a morning walk to a to a nearby a national mm-hmm. park or whatever a little mm-hmm. bit of tourism thrown in, a little bit of shopping thrown not shopping really, but it was a real immersion for eight weeks uh, in, into the U.S. And uh, yeah, so that was the con- background to your question about, uh, uh, you know, what did I think now? So I, I do feel I, I knew a little more about the U.S. Uh, by the time 2019 came.
0: Okay, so uh, but, let me refresh. Yeah.
1: let me rephrase my question. What mm. surprised you about the U.S. then? and this was uh, this was uh, 2004 is it 2014 14. 2014 i'm sorry that 2014, that's right, that's right. 2014. Yes. yeah so what yeah. surprised you about the us because you had made a dozen trips at the time what surprised yeah. you then so I, I guess i i i understood a lot more about about the place uh, so one of the i wouldn't necessarily surprised but i understood the difference in some sense in my mind between uh, let's say immigrants in singapore which is us Mm -hmm. and immigrants in in the U.S., and the concept of, uh, you know, the mosaic concept that the Swiss have, uh, there's a Mm -hmm. concept in Singapore called Rojak. Rojak is a local salad, which has uh, five or six different ingredients, which are six different cultures, the Chinese, the Malay, the Indian, and and the Mm Thai, and so on. And each flavor is retained in the salad, Mm -hmm. and that's the mosaic as well. Whereas the U.S. was a melting pot, Mm-hmm. And you kind. Of, when I say melting pot, you kind of you. The way I looked at it was you you forsake your previous identity and you adapt uh, or adopt an American identity as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because you're forced to, but I think you are expected to, and obviously people do it willingly and, and so on. But mm-hmm. that was one difference about you don't really retain your original identity. I mean, you do, but uh, I I thought that was something that I. Took away uh, without being either, you know, judgmental about whether it's it's good or bad. But it was very different from uh, what I felt in Singapore. We were Indians living along with uh, all other communities, uh, but uh, you know, very Indian, uh, but with very good friends as Chinese, Malays, and, and all the rest of it. Whereas in, in I mean, I, I guess it's the same cave same way can be described in the U.S. as well. But that was something I, I take away, and I still maintain that there is a, uh, and and in some yeah. sense, this because in my mind now, and yes, I'm being judgmental, but I'm being observant, if, if I like, not judgmental. Yeah. So yeah. U.S. approaches things on a binary basis. Uh, there's a black and a white, and there's no shades in the middle. So it's mm-hmm. you're on our side or or the other side, the other side mm-hmm. with us for you know that kind of uh, lingo, if you like. Where, so that was different. Uh, and I think my trip then, uh, kind of, and talking to all the people, made me feel that pretty strongly. And I don't know whether it developed that that notion then, but that has in some ways, uh, you know, uh, remained in my mind. The other thing was, while the U.S. has uh, is a land of immigrants and obviously people are really well-informed and educated and technologically advanced and so on, but it's incredible how insular, uh, the U.S. is the uh, be-all and end-all. It's, it's the center of the Earth and the universe. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it may be, but it's it's quite interesting how uninformed people around the U.S. are or unexposed to uh, the rest of the world. While I'm at okay. Stanford and meeting some obviously fabulous, uh, you know, and uh, highly, uh, I, I just, it, it solidified, the, you know, how little people are actually uh, and and this is its context to yeah the Bay Area and Stanford so it has uh, it's it's an opinion from both uh, places uh, mm-hmm. meeting obviously and these are uh, I mean I've met all all kinds of people now it's did you did ideas. you uh, get a sense for the political environment then I mean in your eight week trip so interestingly the trip started with uh, with elections in India that night when uh, the uh, BJP came to power May eighth of May two thousand fourteen. Uh, and I was really focusing on that in a lot of ways, Yeah, uh, there wasn't so much political stuff out here in that period, uh, but I did get, uh, you know, as we went through states, uh, drove, drove through the southern states and, and uh, uh, you know, the others, I did get a sense of uh, what I was observing was infrastructural differences, and, and again, I was picking up from my daughter who spent four years, and uh-huh. Certainly knew a lot more about about the U.S. and I did do some crazy experiences which were fantastic. But uh, yeah, because my political bit was was not front and center of of us at that time. The other thing that we were, I guess, also looking at was uh, I think Google announced their self-driving cars for the first time in that month. So we were oh, talking wow, okay. a lot about uh, uh, you know uh, automation and and because we were on the highway, so. We started with me telling my daughter who had nagged her into getting a driving license a month before that because Mm -hmm. she had not been doing that. So it started with me telling her about, you know, how to drive sensibly on the road. And within a few weeks, she was telling me how to do the same thing and why do I leave (laughs) so much distance between cars. And she was so clear in her mind about why the hell do we have drivers? Why can't we just have, you know... Uh, everything uh, computerized, and she's not a computer person, but yeah. it was quite an interesting uh, you know, 22-year-old's perspective at that stage of mm. uh, approaching a road trip and cars and all the rest of it. So, yeah, fascinating, uh, lovely, lovely time. And, and So now, this time when you came to Stanford, you had a much more kind of hands-on experience
0: uh, and understanding of, of the U.S., uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, with with you uh, and and so you know you had applied for this program and six years later you're here. Of course, the political environment has changed. So yes. were there you know what 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 struck you? Were there any surprises uh, yes. the second time yes. around? I was
1: expecting a very liberal place, uh, and I was surprised that and again this is my assessment that you know for for one uh, Herbert Hoover one so it's it's a relatively conservative. University, uh, relatively, and mm-hmm. certainly the least liberal of the Ivy League, and, and I might be completely wrong, but that's my assessment. So California, of course, is a is available state, but yes. Stanford mm-hmm. University, with Condoleezza Rice and uh, you know uh, George Shultz and and all the others who are there uh, at the Hoover Center and 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 so on. So I that surprised me. I had no idea that. You know, for example, Hoover was a, was a Republican president, and mm-hmm. therefore there's a little bit of conservatism around uh, Stanford. And as I said, I, I might be talking complete nonsense, but it was mm-hmm. less liberal than, than yeah. I thought and expected because I didn't know any better. Uh, well, perhaps so, my, my my friends in uh, Texas may find it <laughs> hard to uh, yes, hard to understand yes. how anything in California could be conservative. <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, yes. or, or 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 maybe maybe it's 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 your assessment of how liberal liberal is uh, but you wouldn't you wouldn't really call yourself or would you would you call yourself a liberal or a conservative or a little bit of uh, both i guess a little bit of both certainly economically conservative in a big way because i'm a big believer of markets having spent 20 25 years in that so sure. capitalism and markets driven uh, capital allocation i'm a big believer of that but i'm also a very big fan Of the Singapore system, which is a modified or a hybrid form of capitalism and socialism, it is uh, it's a beautiful, successful model of government-directed capital. Uh, Almost everything successful in the in Singapore is owned by the government. I mean, Singapore Airlines is the best airline in the world; it's run by the government. And but that's because the smartest people in the when I say smartest, I don't necessarily mean education, but. You know, uh, IQ, EQ, and all the rest of it. They are drawn into public service and politics from school time, and then they get, uh, you know, sponsored to go and study in the best uh, universities overseas. They come back, and then very early they're drawn into, or, and uh, those who have become the most successful lawyers, bankers, doctors, surgeons, and so on, are then at the age of 35 and 40 drawn into the uh, the political party, which which has been the ruling party for last 55 years, and therefore the best people in Singapore are running the government, and uh, therefore they, I think, is the right uh, because I believe market-driven allocation means that at the end of the day, it's the best allocation uh, theoretically, and therefore uh, it it needs to work, and then there would be uh, you know creative destruction, and it, it fails sometimes, and. And then you restart. So there's a bit of survival of and all the rest of it. So I am a very strong believer of of all of that. But the way I think Singapore and China and I think currently India has modified or is suiting these, you know, Western norms of there is a right and a left and there is a conservative and a liberal. And there's actually a whole spectrum, uh, even for economic uh, stuff and for social stuff, which, you know, again, there is uh, there is both. And uh, certainly from an Indian perspective and, and given the Hindu civilization and all the rest of it, uh, I I don't believe there needs to be a liberal brand or a conservative brand to uh, what one is. So I, I don't know what I am. Uh, I just try and think I'm uh, empathetic and human enough and sensible. Do the right thing. You know, some very simple values I've I've followed from, from my parents and so on. And uh, yeah, uh, which is I why I somebody... guess I've been... yeah. Sorry, Some would call you a compassionate conservative, perhaps. Possibly, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what I do call Singapore. It's it's a uh, capitalist with a heart, and I think uh, you know Modi G is a capitalist with a heart, and uh, and uh, a, a lot of uh, young, uh, globally educated uh, young folks, uh, you know, find it. Uh, very challenging and completely acceptable and competitive to actually go work in the government because you know, from a financial center point of view it's right up there from a wealth center point of view it's right up there from a legal uh, point of view it's right up there from the science and research and technology i i think ntu the the lo- and nus the local mm-hmm. universities it's mm-hmm. tougher to get into them than mit and i believe mm-hmm. the the engineering graduates at nus and and NTU will give the IITs certainly and, and many of the Ivy Leagues in the US a real run for their money in terms of caliber of students, there's a caliber of teaching staff, the facilities, and all the rest of it. So I think they're right up there uh, mm-hmm. because they they have they have believed in, uh, you know, the higher education in the US and, and the top universities in the UK and in France and Germany and are looking to borrow... Copy and reinvent from them, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so Singapore is, and but that's because of I think the strategic direction of the of the people at the top, not just yeah. So in the government, as in the executive branch, and uh, the elected representatives. So the prime minister is the highest paid individual in the country uh, because his salary is pegged to CEOs of. I mean, he's not the highest paid uh, uh, in in the country, but his salary, which is probably two and a half three million dollars a year, is pegged to CEOs of private sector. and the which, reason, is significantly, which is significantly more than what the U.S. president makes, for instance. Oh, indeed, indeed. And, and yeah. the current yeah. foreign minister, for example, is a very fine, uh, he was a doctor and a surgeon for a long long period. I think he in Harvard medical school, but I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, so all of them, if you look at the entire cabinet, they're all very qualified in their own right. And, and they're doing that as a public service and as a team. Uh, and they're doing it for the long term. but thinking about the long term interests of the of the people there and the country. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful model, which I think every country should ape, needs to ape. And uh, you know, uh, people say it's small, so it works. The model works. The scale does mm-hmm. not matter. It'll if if people uh, and and there's no leakage. And uh, so it's it's yeah. I'm, I'm a big one for very privileged to be a to be a Singaporean. That's how I think of myself as a Singaporean and a an Indian. they the two homes.
0: As we spoke of Amit's tremendous achievements, I asked him if he had a secret sauce or formula. I also asked how his goals and definition of success had changed over the years. One of the life learnings
1: from there was Always, I have done that through my career after that, always be with people better than you. And then then just to keep up with them, you will have to do things which will make you keep getting better. So I've followed that in, in my sports, in my workplace, and and therefore this experience at Stanford currently, these 35 people who are around us, they're all amazing people. But, you know, for whatever, I hook up crook, I'm with them. So just ride along and, and be aware. Uh, that they are all around you and there's so much to learn from them. So it, it it has been a, that's been my mantra. I put my hand up for things, managed to get, in, I put in an effort to get into stuff. And once I'm in there, I swim with the tide and it, it works pretty well. What did you think success was when you were 21 years old, uh, you know, at IIT and what does it mean now? How, how,
0: did, that, how did that change over the years?
1: You know, I, I never uh, thought uh, and I've, I've in the last year, especially I've kind of done a lot of uh, reflective reflections of thinking back of when we were back at 20, what did we think at 50 and so on. I, I never had either the ability or the uh, inclination, if you like, to think longer term and, and think these thoughts. So we were kind of just, uh, you know, so it was interesting. So at 20, 30, 35. I never, uh, I always thought short term, almost uh, maybe a week or maybe a few weeks and then worked on that basis, put goals and and worked towards short term goals. At around 30, I think 2002, 2003, uh, a quick story here where HSBC was kind of assessing to see if I would become a managing director and so on. And I went through this program, which was uh, up in uh, one bit in Hong Kong and another in Lon- London where they were, like I said, it was a development center or an assessment center. And that's when I realized this whole thing. Between uh, that assessment center and living in Singapore, I got the essence of being able to think 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. So my brain was beginning to say, wow, if we could think and plan for longer term, you know, we could do things so much better. So that's when I began to understand it and kind of train myself to be like that. And interestingly, in the last five years, it's been all about now how do I live in the present and enjoy every day. So it's a full cycle, right? You mm. initially you live in the present, then you train yourself, or at least I train myself to things long term. But uh, but then you say life is more than about planning for goals and destinations. It's about taking every breath and enjoying every breath and the thing around you and so on, and and of course, fortunately, I have the you know, financial and other resources to be uh, taken care of, and and now I'm back to uh, really enjoying life as a child, uh, you know, seeing the flowers around me, seeing the blue skies and the shapes of the clouds and all the rest of it, and that's what we actually yearn for, right? So for me, success is, is I guess, about achieving that inner peace where you don't, uh, you know, you're, you're, You're enjoying what you're doing, enjoying living. Uh, You're doing, uh, the satisfaction clearly comes more from human interaction than anything else. So human interaction experiences, if you can be helpful to people, that certainly gives every, every, I mean, certainly gives me a lot of pleasure. Uh, and, And that becomes the essence of it. And I think we all kind of realize that a bit later in life, and while the formula is Fairly, it's fairly formulaic in, in that sense. But uh, at the age of 18 and 20 and 30, we're chasing stuff which is quite meaningless. I mean, when I say we are, I'm sure there are more enlightened people. But uh, so, a roundabout way of answering your question, I, I guess I was chasing uh, college admissions at that stage at 2022 and then jobs and then promotions. Um, and and you know alongside that, of course, the enjoyment came from outdoor stuff, sportsy stuff. Fantastic thing. Yeah. What were the expectations of of success? Uh, and I know you answered it in terms of you know you being short term success or short term goals oriented. Uh, but you know from your family, you know did did you did you see your dad making long term goals and did that impact you in any way? uh sure. so, mom, so one uh, of you the, know. the one of the things uh integrity was a huge factor uh, not as mm. a as a goal uh, not as a subject as a value, as a value mm-hmm. yeah. because but mm. uh, besides that that aspect i think striving for excellence was just a regular was a thing but it was for i think all mm. of us in that milieu in the middle class uh, you know government mm-hmm. background and and so on uh so success men do whatever you do you've got to do it to the best of your ability with dedication, honesty, and integrity. I think that was again, it was a value system. But uh, we were not really, uh, we were not well off, but we were never short of anything as such. Um, and and therefore, yeah, I mean, there wasn't an, the expectation. There wasn't. It was an orientation of, you know, if you. I think I guess the philosophy has been, and I do believe that, if you do things well, the, don't worry about the end result. You know, uh, if you do things well, it'll, it'll all turn out well. So in some sense, that was, I guess, uh, you know, drilled into us in a significant manner. So both my elder brothers did end up going to Ahmedabad ahead of me. Uh, mm. So I when I got in and, and went there, I said, we have a Gupta quota, which we're just using up the seats <laughs> for. And, uh, so, and, and my uh, middle brother is actually, he's been in the US for 30 years. So he's a professor at Cornell. Uh, mm. he was at not, he did his phd from there and, and and so on so these guys are yeah i mean success for us was whatever you do just do it well and uh, keep keep doing that you know don't shirk your uh, responsibilities be true to it, to what you do and say and, and to relationships and all of those i think so yeah it's also very beautiful. much a hindu philosophy of it is uh, doing your duty well. uh, right. yeah. etc right so um, yeah, yeah no and, so I mean, what... it's, uh, and it's easy to do in a lot of ways, if you and again, I think we're privileged that we were managing to, to kind of not stumble too much and, and keep keep going because there's I think what I missed out, uh, when I say when I missed out, what I ignored while both while growing up and until I had, till I met and lived with Gauri and then I had daughters, was actually being empathetic, and I still am quite a you know not a compassionate person because I don't those who are not privileged uh, or I don't automatically, you know, reach out to those. And that I understand completely as something that I, I'm very bad at. You know, uh, I just uh, cannot almost empathize for the less privileged or the or the unfortunate, misfortunate and so on. And that is something which, yeah, just a, just a fact that at least I'm aware of it. That's all I can say and I, I think I'm trying to make a difference wherever I can that's pretty candid uh, so what what um, advice for success uh, do you give your kids or or you know if, if I ask your kids what success means to them vis-a-vis their father uh, what would they say I, I, I genuinely don't know I know I'll be surprised mm-hmm. with the answer and uh, while we've had a lot of Great time to be together at in the last uh, six, nine months, and especially in the lockdown. I, I do want to be kind of discovering uh, that about them. The, the good thing is that they've all three turned out to be fabulous human beings, uh, very responsible, very, very considerate, and superb children. And I guess, uh, you know, I, 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 tap, I pat myself and Gauri and I pat ourselves on our back for that because
0: mm.
1: we we must have done something right. Although if you ask them, I don't believe we are uh, the model parents at all. We, everything we do seems to be <laughs> wrong, but uh, <laughs> we must have done something right because I, I kind of look at them. So I, I don't know is the real answer. I think parenting is one of those things where, it's crazy. You spend a lot of time, and and you get educated on so many things. But you do parenting just on gut feel, and it mm. it could be a hit and a miss. And we're lucky that it turned out to be, yeah, it's very instinctively with, of course, the values and so on. So, uh, yeah. So just a quick example. Our eldest daughter in two thousand and seventeen, when I had my relapse of my you know cancer coming back and. It was a post-stroke period. I was in real uh, psychologically, mentally, down, physically. Uh, Gauri was taking the the kids. were all in the U.S. So she had just graduated from Columbia and was about to embark on a career. And she just in that phone call when I had just been told that my cancer had come back within 20 minutes and it was midnight for her in New York. And she said, Papa, I'm coming home to be with you for six months. And she just gave everything up and came back for six months, which was Quite uh, you know stunning and it that's really lifted our spirits and more mm-hmm. and she just struck by it but that's you know that is quite amazing and the little ones as well uh, you know I think uh, what they've seen probably from her and a bit from us and so on they've done so many such things where they for us when we I guess didn't specifically ask for it or or for for their own friends and the way they. They kind of approach uh, very sensitively. They approach other individuals and human beings. is is fabulous for me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very heart heartwarming that even though it, I may have been quite a bastard, but at least my <laughs> kids are, are probably thanks to Gauri. But uh, you know, I, I don't mind taking the credit for that as well.
0: Although, yeah, so no, you know, they've, they've
1: they've they've learned to be empathetic, but that's that's commendable. I mean, obviously. Uh, you know, it speaks volumes for uh, the kind of parenting you've you've done, and uh, and that's that's fantastic, uh, you know, to to see that in your kids. Uh, and just uh, if I could say that if you sure. if you were to ask me about success, again, I think the most important thing that I've achieved is to have three wonderful kids, right, mm.
0: uh,
1: and and a great marriage and a relationship there. Because all of these are, uh, and I, I'm sure I have worked on every one of them, uh, but very naturally, as in, uh, I, I just felt it was a duty, and, and I'm glad that that's been a very successful part of my my life. Uh, and and as you look back, as I, you look yeah, back. I look back Yeah, I reflect. But but when you were when you were 21, so, you you yeah. couldn't have you couldn't have <laughs> possibly you weren't thinking that yeah. here you'd be sitting talking about your your you know your your large your biggest
0: successes.
1: In terms yeah. of your kids and your family and your marriage. True, true, true. No, you just you never think of it. I mean, not never. I mean, I, I didn't. You, you, didn't you didn't. You didn't think of little bit of it would have been so important. But uh, yeah, I mean, similarly at IIM, I loved the uh, eco courses, the financial courses, and all the and the marketing and the systems and all of it. And I the organisational behaviour and those explorations of role and identity, those kind of soft courses. We used to run away from, we said, those are not for us. And those Mm -hmm. were the critical, uh, you know, things for organizational life as well. I think interpersonal is the most critical thing in in life. And and, uh, that's what a key success factor is for everything. The rest is frankly, you know, can be, especially in this world of Google and, and, uh, you know, technology, the rest is completely immaterial uh, and insignificant. But uh, and things like analytic, I used to write my strength as analytical problem solving, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Which what I what do you I, what do you write it as now? What is your <laughs> Luckily, I don't have to write anything. But I I, I know that for me the relationships I have, uh, uh, you know. And again, my 2014 uh, road trip in the U.S. where I reconnected with 25, 30 fabulous people, and I'm obviously still in touch with them very closely. Mm-hmm. Then in the three years of sickness, the number of people who flew across and came and visited me in Singapore, I had immunity challenges and therefore I couldn't get out of the house for two and a half years almost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having visitors was a big thing. So people would come Mm and sit at home uh, and we had no family in the, uh, I mean, the people there are closer than family now, but, uh, and there were people from all over the world from my childhood and they would come to me and say to me, you know, you were always a fighter, and I'm, I would, and that that had an effect on me. I said, maybe I was, you know. So I don't know how, but it was almost consistently guys from my Varanasi childhood to my you know Delhi school, prime middle school days to the I.T. guys, the young guys, the uh, lots of H.S.B.C. guys from uh, New York, London, Dubai, Hong Kong, uh, various cities would would kind of I mean they wouldn't come for that, but. They would make it a point to stop by in Singapore to spend a few hours or half a day or whatever with me, and that for me was a huge, uh, fantastic, uh, you know. And, and I, I guess at some level, it's, I'm very lucky. But I guess I work for it through my life, and I'm getting a reward for the things that I did because these, you know, tons of them. So that is what I value the most, clearly. So what, and, what, yeah. what, what next, Amit? What, what are you going to be fighting for uh, in the next half? Of your life. Yeah, so uh, still a little unclear, but very keen on uh, education uh, as a next stage. Now, that could be, and I'm still undecided. uh, Education for others.
0: For for others, yes. For for others, you've had all the education you need.
1: Well, uh, so I have also discovered the joy on a selfish basis of re educating myself in the last one year and an ability to do that you know, being a electronically and online. And so being a lifelong learner and certainly, uh, you know, for others, which could be, you know, so uh, again, Singapore and India, are the two geographies, which I consider home and where I would like to make do something in the next 10, 20, 30 years, um, mm-hmm. naturally. And therefore, you know, between, uh, teaching myself and related to public policy or other things uh, that's that's what i want to do longevity uh, is the other bit in terms of you know uh, intergenerational concepts of intergenerational so it need not be only for education for kids but also what i have experienced in the last year or two years about you know say for in singapore and maybe back home in india as well trying to do an ability an ability to do something around uh, longevity, health, education, adult education, and or kids. You know, so it's a very broad thing. But I, I have some ideas, some some kind of projects uh, which uh, initial stages. And I know you're you're involved in that. So we've we've talked about you know how we can exchange some of these ideas as we go forward. Uh, so that's the plan for the future. My immediate thing again, very selfish, but uh, as soon as we get back to Singapore, I need to have my scan and make sure that. The cancer hasn't come back. I don't believe it has, but that's that's just going to be part of my, you know, so therefore it's, there's that little hesitation to plan too much forward as well. Uh, yes, but, uh, I, but that's I, interesting. I wish you the yeah. best in that. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. But yeah, there's lots to do, and again, I've, I've learned so much in the last uh, nine months at Stanford in terms of getting the cobwebs out of the brain. The brain's opened up to uh, just ideas, ideas, ideas. So, the, this area, this this environment has been amazing in terms of, I attribute it to the air and the water of the Bay. Why mm-hmm. the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and Stanford are such mm-hmm. amazing places. Mm-hmm. There's something out here which is magical in terms of, you know, creating this uh, ambience and environment of entrepreneurship, innovation, uh, collaboration. Uh, just excellence, all of these things, uh, which which is uh, really really, you know. So the ability to now link on with Stanford and continue to do things out here, uh, which I would can you do consider. Would you consider moving here? No, no. You would... again. Home is is Singapore and and uh, uh, you know and um, India. So that's where uh, I, I just do. I have had this view that the future is in Asia for the century at least, uh, you mm-hmm. know, broadly speaking. And uh, while it's been a great uh, experience, one does feel like an alien out here. Um, mm-hmm. So, and again, it's been very welcoming and inclusive. I've made some very phenomenal friends in the last batchmates in the last uh, nine, twelve months. But uh, can't see in in, um, in in what way? When you said feel like an alien, in what way? I I don't know. It I mean it. It's. Uh, Especially, I guess the events of the last three four months uh, are very disturbing in terms of the social, you know, uh, the. I mean, every country has that, and every society mm-hmm. has that, mm-hmm. but uh, because its society itself is, uh, you know, is not the society that I have grown up in. So I think between there is a difference between the Orient and the and the West in that sense. So I think this familial the family structure of. Uh, and the parent family societal structure in India and Singapore are very similar and aligned in the Orient, and I think there's the Western. Um, so part of it is that. So there are various things I think it's a it's a you know it's a, it's a thesis by itself, and I don't even remotely try and say I understand it, but I have ideas about uh, you know uh, why they're quite different, uh, and again I. Could be wrong, but I don't, I I knew when we were leaving a year ago, a lot of friends said, you know, never coming back. And uh, now they're still surprised that we are going back. But Gauri and I have never, even for a day, even when it looked like the kids might be here, and even now they they might be here in the future, don't know. And, And frankly, we don't, I don't advise them. And if anything, I before the virus, I was advising them to stay on here for a longer period, because I think it's a great place for youngsters uh, you know to make the first few years of their life especially but um, yeah, we've also reached the stage where we realize there's no point trying to be near the kids just we'll be close enough both technologically and otherwise we've done whatever we could now mm-hmm. we make our own lives and, and they'll they'll hopefully they will stay close to us in terms of you know their hearts and they, they've got to they've got to fly away It's no given trying to they chase them yeah, they've they've given them wings and at that stage of life so yeah that that's what the future is looking like around Singapore, uh, doing things in Asia. But of course, you know, the world is very very strongly connected. So the, this, this, I think opening up the branch at Stanford, which we've done, managed to do with our lots of connections and, you know, understanding how the university works so I can continue to take courses on, at the university for years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, it's a beautiful new chapter branch that's got opened up but not for permanence fabulous fabulous amit it's been a fascinating hour of discussion uh with you thank you very much for your time it's been a pleasure raj thanks very much uh yeah it'll be i really enjoyed it thank you for prodding me along the way you did
0: you've been listening to my conversation with amit gupta A graduate of IIT Bombay as well as the Indian Institute of Management, former CEO of HSBC's private bank in Southeast Asia, and now a fellow at the Distinguished Careers Institute at Stanford University. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did.